Welcome to Escorpio Stories. I am your host, Mariela Dieguez. Today, I will be the bridge into the past, possibly the present, and definitely into the future. Let's get ready to hear some stories passed down, unfolding and forthcoming. Here is a place where the stories, the tales, have a twist. On our first episode, we will dive into the story of La Llorona. As a child, I was always fascinated by stories that my mother told me. I didn't really question them then. It wasn't until I was much older that I started to think, Huh, who the f*** wrote these? I have grown to never take stories to be just stories. I mean, sometimes they are. But I do think that they have a deeper meaning or a rooted theme. Some sort of message. Now, I can't remember when my first memory of La Llorona happened since it has been retold so many times, so here is a bit of history I found. I would like to also point out that this story does talk about death. Now let's get to it. For non-Spanish speaking folks, La Llorona translates into The Weeping Woman. And it's traditionally a story of a ghostly woman dressed in white who is mourning the loss of her two small children who died by drowning. Now, there are many variations, one that she killed them, one that they were murdered, and this is of course because that's how oral traditions are passed down. They change, modulate, and become somewhat twisted. This will be one such version. And as October is a month of depth and rebirth, I find it obligatory to go a bit dark, mysterious, and deep. And it's also really in my nature, since it's my birth month. So this is a story of La Llorona. Amatlán de Cañas, Nayarit, Mexico, sits in a valley nestled quietly near two rivers, one with cool fresh water and another steaming from the veins of a volcano. The hot springs bubbling with steam twist and turn the minerals, bursting from the ground and merge it with the cold water, creating a perfectly pleasant river. It is without saying that this is indeed a converging place of sorts. It's almost as if the land itself is saying something, even before things happen. At the center, bursting with life, all kinds of people come to trade, harvest, and sell goods from cacahuates, caña, frijol, quesos, fruits of all kind, to leather boots, weaved patates, and brooms made from local plants. Ice cream parlors, elotes, y agua de tejuinos are huge hits during the evenings. It is a place where the humidity makes folks live a slow-paced life of leisure after a hard day at work. Matilde lives at the very rim of town, and to reach the center, she walks down the large road, passing the houses, big and small, 
all winding down until the bridge is reached to cross the river. On one particular evening, she was sent late at night for rubbing alcohol to town after her baby brother decided to freely jump from the bed, scraping his leg on a wooden chair. She put on her old huaraches and a few pesos in the pockets of her dress, and off she went. As she crossed the bridge, she felt a whispering breeze hit her cheeks, her loose hair sweeping in the wind. As she turned to the river, in the distance she noticed a white shape floating among the trees. The trees were massive compared to that tiny white figure. But without much thought, Matilde continued to the center of town. The huge sign, Tienda de Don Toño was now visible. Buenas noches, Don Toño. ¿Me da un litro de alcohol, por favor? She asked. Leaning on to the tiendita's counter, she not only bought the rubbing alcohol, but a few bolillos as well. They were her favorite bread, soft and squishy in the middle and crunchy on the outside. The coins clinked like raindrops on the wooden table. Exiting the doorway, she turned right onto the bridge once more. Gripping the bag of bolillos, she imagined a sweet bite of its softness, when all of a sudden she bumped into a woman in a soft white dress. It almost felt like a gentle wind. Perdón, Matilde said. Ay, fue mi culpa, the woman replied. Since Matilde detested crossing the bridge alone, the other woman's company was in perfect timing. Me llamo Matilde. She projected. Soy Soraya, the woman expressed. As she crossed the bridge, Matilde asked, Where are you walking to? Doña Concha asked me to help her clean out her house. Doña Concha was an old lady, and she lived alone. While her memory had fainted with time, she held the home with the most beautiful flowers and plants all around. Deep pink begonias, tangerine bongabilias that pop perfectly against the baby lime green leaves and purple roses that smelled a block away. But at night, it was the jasmines that gave the house away. The pebbled path soon turned to dirt. Thanks for keeping me company, Soraya. I'm glad Doña Concha is getting help. I pass by her place tomorrow. I might stop by to say hello, Matilda explained. I'll be expecting you. Buenas noches, Soraya waved, her white dress whispering behind her as she turned. Matilde, carrying her bag, headed home, a single light in the distance as her destination. She turned back and saw an empty street once more. Matilde awoke to an unusual mood. The neighbors were carrying white flowers and jicaras filled with fruits, breads, and candles. Her parents, too, were preparing candles' food and the maceta of yellow roses from her mother's garden. She could think of only one thing. ¿Qué pasó? She frowned. A Doña Concha la encontraron muerta, her mother said softly. ¿Qué? Pero como? A huge shock filled Matilde's body. 
Was she the only one? She asked, both confused and intrigued. Pues si tú sabes que vives sola, niña, her mother said in a slightly agitated voice. Es que ayer cuando fui a comprar el alcohol y el pan, me encontré con una mujer en la carretera antes del puente y me encaminó hacia la casa. Me dijo que iba con Doña Concha para ayudarla a limpiar su casa. Losing her breath, every couple vowels, Matilda sat down, slumped, and extremely confused. What had happened? How did Doña Concha die? And where was Soraya? She had so many questions. Matilde covered her jicara, filled with cut sugar cane with a servilleta, and followed her parents as they walked to Doña Concha's home. Her home as beautiful as ever, already full with many more flowers. The dining room table was taken outside to house food brought for people, and Doña Concha was placed in a makeshift coffin and wrapped in a white cloth in her living room. She looked fast asleep and quite peaceful. Matilda's family greeted Doña Concha's next-door neighbors, the Hernandez family. Apparently, it was they who found her. Little Alex was going to ask Doña Concha for some spare onions, and when she did not open, Alex rushed to tell their parents, and they all came back and found her lying motionless on the floor, cold as ice. With her advanced age, they thought a heart attack. But to Matilde, something was not right. ¿Y no encontraron a otra persona, señora Hernández? ¿Alguien que se llama Soraya? Matilde asked. Miss Hernández's eyes had a void, a deep, deep hollowness to them. She slowly said, ¿A Soraya? Matilde explained to the Hernández's what had happened last night, and Miss Hernández responded. Soraya finally came for her. She was Doña Concha's daughter. She died in the river many, many years ago. I was still small, but I remember Doña Concha so heartbroken. She would go to the river every year on her day of passing and cried asking for Soraya to take her with her. It was her only child. Over time, Doña Concha was named La Llorona de Amatelán for always weeping for her lost child. Matilde stood still as the smell of jasmines became ever more faint. She said a prayer for Soraya and Doña Concha and then knew that La Llorona was finally at peace.